Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. I'm so excited to be in the house and I'm so honored that you would clap for me. But I think on the last Sunday in-person service of 2021, um, how many of you know, like maybe for you, 2021 was like awesome. But I think coming out of 2020, we were like, man, next year is going to be better. And uh, maybe it was for you, but, but maybe it wasn't. But regardless of how exactly it went, come on, God got you through. Come on, God moved on your behalf. Come on, he woke you up and he put breath in your lungs. Come on, and everything that maybe went wrong, come on, he sustained you in those moments. And everything that went right, it was him who was the giver of everything that is good. So I wish I had some people in the room who could just praise God for a few seconds because of everything that he's done in their life. Man, I love, I love our church, and um, I would be remiss to, to miss this opportunity to honor our pastors. Come on, how many of you know we have some awesome pastors, Pastor Stephen and Katie? And, um, you know, God has really been working on me this last year about cultivating and, and producing fruit, and he's been really, like, working on my heart and, and my vision and my, and my um, perspective on that. And how many of you know, like, a bad time to plant seed is when you're hungry? Like, like, that's a terrible time. Like, when you get hungry, it's not the right time to be like, you know what? I ought to go plant those watermelon seeds I have in the closet or wherever farmers keep their seeds. Um, but you need to have some foresight and you need to have some vision and you need to plant them in the right season so that you will have fruit when you need it. And I love that we have pastors who don't wait until they need leaders to begin to develop and cultivate them. And there are so many strong men and women of God in our church who would say, come on, our pastors have, have led them and spoken to their life and loved them. And so maybe you're new or you've only been here a few times and you haven't really gotten to meet our pastors or you don't know their heart. Um, let me just speak on their behalf and, and say that they love you, they're for you, and they want to see you build a life um, that God would be proud of, that, that God has called you to. So can we just put our hands together for them one more time before we get started? Um, so today I'm going to be continuing our Marvel series, A Gift Beyond Words. Um, and so we're talking about Jesus. Come on, Jesus is a gift beyond words. He was when he was born and when he lived on earth, but he still is today. And we don't want to just go through this season, through all the Christmas traditions and the presents and the trees and all that is awesome. But we don't just want to zoom through this and forget that Jesus is the one that we should be marveling at. And so today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1. Um, we're going to start at verse 26 and then we're going to go through um, verse 38. So if you want to turn there real quick. Um, I got my I got my actual Bible on stage with me today. Where are my actual Bible people that come on the AP honor Christians in the room? If you got your iPhone Bible, that's still good. You still probably getting into heaven, you know, so so it's all it's all it's all good. But uh, Luke chapter one, verse 26, um, it says this in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to this angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? I would say, it's a great question. 
<laughs> and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, last week, Pastor Stephen started off the series talking about the promise. And today, I want to talk to us about marveling at the power. I'm going to pray and then let's jump into it. God, we thank you for your power. God, that when we need an answer, God, you provide it. God, that you love us so much that you don't leave us where we're at. God, in this service today, I know that there are people who are having, they're, they're in a high moment of their life. God, but there's also people in this room who are at the lowest moment of their life. And I'm praying that for both people today, you would speak to them right where they're at. Holy Spirit, that you would go before us and you begin to work on our hearts in this service. And that people would leave this place today knowing that you personally spoke to them. Not that I did a good job or that it was funny or that it was, it was preached well, God, but that you personally spoke to each one of us. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, we love a good, powerful moment. Come on, we love powerful moments, those moments that, that give you goosebumps, those moments that make your jaw drop, those moments that you will just like, you will never forget. And do I have any NBA fans in the room? Come on, you like basketball? Steph Curry breaking the three-point record? Come on, that was a moment that I feel like I'm never going to forget. Because I feel like it made me want to go in my backyard and start shooting jump shots. Like, I'm like, he light skin, I'm light skin. Like, I, I am Steph Curry. And people, like, there was commercials about it. There was videos everywhere you look. Like, people were talking about it. He had teammates who were, like, sharing it on their Instagram. And I'm like, dude, you just got on the team this year. You didn't even help him shoot any of those three-pointers. But, like, people are attracted to powerful moments. Come on, the Wright brothers learning how to fly and, and taking flight for the first time. I'm afraid of heights, so, you know, I probably wouldn't have been with them. But um, you can imagine, like, all the failed attempts, all the times where they, they, they thought they had it, but then they crashed. And if it were me, I probably would have given up because, you know, the hospital bill is kind of racking up. And I'm like, how many more crashes do we have? But they didn't give up, and it was a powerful moment that changed traveling forever. Come on, if, you haven't, if you're in the room and you haven't seen Endgame, I'm going to just go ahead and spoil it for you because it's been out for like, like three years or four years. So, so if you haven't seen it up until this point, you just, I'm sorry, but don't get mad at me. Um, at the end of it, when Tony Stark snaps his fingers, oh, my goodness, I wanted to just jump out of my chair. I was like, that's what I'm talking about. That's why you're my favorite Iron Man because it was a powerful moment, 10 years of movies building up to this moment, and it just changed everything. If we were um, to pass around the mic to each person in the room, you've had powerful moments of your own where, where God showed up, where something changed in your life. Maybe you graduated and you're the first one in your family to graduate. Like, you have moments. I'll, for me, I'll never forget um, Malachi being born, okay? It was, it was powerful. Powerful is one of the words that I would describe it. I was, I was in the hospital, and, um, and when we delivered Malachi, and I say we delivered Malachi, but really... Um, I slept on the little couch that they had, and Sydney delivered Malachi, and I don't know about you, but um, are you the type of person that, like, when you watch a movie and something, like, bad is about to happen, like, the music is getting suspenseful, like, it's building up, Janae, it's about to happen right now, somebody's about to die, something crazy is about to happen, something's about to pop out, um, I like to watch it up until the very last second and then turn my head, because I don't want to see nothing, like, nasty or nothing like that. So I like when the music is intense, then it cues me to like look away. But in the delivery room, they don't play any of that type of music. Like they, 
<laughs> they don't do that. So I'm like standing beside Sydney and I'm holding her hand and I'm just, you know, getting my husband on. And I'm like, we're going to have a baby. This is amazing. This is going to be a powerful moment. Um, but I wanted to watch right up until like Malachi just like fell out. OK, I didn't want to actually like see all of it because I've heard stories and and um and I thought, you know what, she's going to push for a little while. Like, they're saying push, but surely it's going to be like 20, 30 pushes. I don't know the standard on the amount of pushes it takes. Um, but it happened a little bit faster than, <laughs> than what I thought. So I saw all of it, and there was a lot, and it was just interesting. And um, if I, you know, it was, it was a lot, okay? But it was a powerful moment. Me becoming a dad was a powerful moment. And here we read the story about Mary learning that she's going to deliver the Savior to the world. And this is a powerful moment. This is a powerful moment. Since, Mal- since the book of Malachi has ended in the Old Testament, it's been 400 years since then. And prophecy after prophecy after prophecy in the Old Testament is talking about this Messiah that's to come, that's going to change the world, who's going to bring, bring heaven to earth. So this is a big deal. And it's easy to look at these stories in the Bible and go, yeah, God does powerful stuff in the Bible. But I want to remind some people today that God still has power today. Like God still wants to move on your behalf. And so you may be looking at your life right now and it may be all shattered and broken. And you're wondering, man, where am I going to get some hope from? My faith is dwindling. And I just want to encourage you that God still has power and he still wants to move on your life. So don't look at your circumstance and go, man, I should give up. No, God is still moving. God hasn't stopped at the end of the Bible. That wasn't the end of the story. God still has something that he wants to do in your life and through your life. And so we, want, we need to build our hope back up in the Christmas season. Come on, that God still has power. But here's the deal. Just because power is available for us doesn't mean that we always go about it the right way. It doesn't mean that we always have the right response or we always do the right thing. And uh, we know this because if you read the beginning of Luke chapter one, this isn't the first time that Gabriel has popped on the scene and talked to someone about having a miracle baby. Like this wasn't his first rodeo. This was actually a second um, conversation. And so if we look um, a little bit ahead on Luke chapter one, verse 11, and we're going to read through 20, we'll see that he has a conversation with a man named Zechariah. And so it says this, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. This is a powerful moment. Gabriel is downloading a powerful moment to Zechariah. But look at his response. It says, and Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is in advance in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Here, Zechariah is a man of God, a man who who works in the temple, a man who no doubt has heard about Abraham and Sarah. Like he knows that God has done this before, but he's struggling with believing it. 
And he's, he's so wise because he says, I'm old, but my wife is advanced in years. So just for the husbands, this is just a little trick for you. He just, he just gave you some free game right there. But, but he's, looking at his, he's looking at his circumstances, and he's looking at his surroundings. And, and I, and I, and I want to think that he, he wanted to believe that they would have a kid. But year after year, I imagine that they prayed to have a kid. I imagine that, come on, the people around them were praying and, and lifting them up, and it just didn't happen. And it's so easy for us that if we've been praying for something for a long time and it hasn't happened yet, we think that God has given up, or we think that God has forgot about us. But God has not forgot about you. God has not left you. He's not forsaking you. And the thing that God told you, I want to encourage you to hold on to that, to continue to pray for it, because just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. And God is, in the meantime, God is building up your faith. He's building up your maturity. He's building you up. And so don't stop believing God because it hasn't happened yet. Because you don't know, come on, when someone is going to come in and it's going to start to happen in your life. I think it's, it's interesting that out of all the things that uh, Gabriel could have done for Zechariah, he could have said, you know what? It's not going to happen for you since you doubted me. Um, in fact, he was like, he started to go into his whole like credentials. He was like, bro, I'm Gabriel. Like, you must think I'm one of these other angels, but I am Gabriel, okay? I am in the presence of God, and I left the presence of God to come and tell you some really good news. Like, I gave you really good news, and you didn't believe it, so now you won't be able to talk. Like, if I'm an angel, I'm like, you know what? Just go give it to somebody else, or if you know you just want to kill them and drop them dead right there, like, you can do that. But the reason I believe that Gabriel shuts Zechariah's mouth is because what comes out of our mouth sometimes can be contagious. And what you say can either build your faith or it can lessen your faith. So you're either going to build your faith or you're going to build your disbelief. And let me just give a little, like, help to some of us in the room. If you have something that you value, that you feel like God has given you, be careful who you let speak into it. Like, if you're in this room and you're a husband and, and every time you get with the fellas, everybody hates their wife. Like, all of them, like, none of them have a nice wife. It might be the fellas. Like, <laughs> like you might need to go hang out with someone else who's going to speak, speak faith into your marriage, who's going to speak faith into your parenting, who's going to speak faith into your finances. Like, don't get around a bunch of people who have disbelief because it'll get on you. And before you know it, you'll start to think and you'll start to speak and you'll start to act like God doesn't have any power because of what you've let people speak into it. And Gabriel was saying, Zachariah, you already don't believe, but here's the thing. I can't let you go home and start giving that to your wife. I can't let you go into the village and start giving it to people that are around you because we need them to believe that God still moves. We need them to believe that God still does the miraculous. And so the people in your circle need to be speaking faith into you if you're going to step into what God has called you to do. Some of us, sometimes it's easy to keep those people around because we're comfortable with them. And it's easy to let people speak into our life because we feel like they deserve it. But unless people are speaking faith and unless people are building up, then I'm not saying don't love them. All I'm saying is be careful that you don't let them get onto you. We cannot allow disbelief to creep in and take us out of what God has promised us. You know, the other day, like on Wednesday, um, we were all up here working and um, I went to go get some lunch. OK, I went to McDonald's, got me got me a, a McDouble, you know, just. Just handling business. This is a normal Wednesday, getting ready for youth group. And when I was leaving, one of the stoplights wasn't working, okay? And I learned something valuable that people don't really know how to drive at a stoplight when they don't work. And I'm one of those people. So I, did, I had no idea what I was doing. I just kind of like slow crept it until someone did not hit me. And, I, and um, I was like, man, maybe they're doing some construction or something. 
But then I got to the next stoplight, and that one, too, wasn't working. And so by the grace of God, I got back to the church. And when I got here, um, I realized that, like, all of the lights were out. And so you probably think that on church staff, what we do is just come in and just start praying and, you know, like reading the Bible and just doing stuff like that. But we actually, like, work. Like, we, like we, have, we have to have electricity. Like, like, we have to have Wi-Fi. I don't know how the disciples did it without Wi-Fi, but in this ministry, like, we, I just think it would be easier for them if they had Wi-Fi. But everything, everything was out. And I'm not the guy that you can call when the light goes out. Like, I don't have, I'm not prepared. I don't have a flashlight. I have my phone, but that needs to be charged, and that's probably dead most of the time. Like, some men in here, you have a bunker at your house. Come on, it's full of, like, toilet paper and cheese crackers and protein bars and, like, all kind of stuff. Like, if the lights go out, you are the person to call. I am not that guy. We, I have, like, a screwdriver. And I'm like, if flipping the breaker off and on don't fix it, then I'm not your guy. We need to call somebody because surely they pay somebody to do this kind of stuff, okay? And um, the lights went out, so I'm like, I have no idea <laughs> what to do right now. Surely somebody is going to come and fix it. And they, and they eventually came back on, but, but I realized how much I rely on electricity, how much I rely on power. Like, everything I have has, like, my phone has to be plugged up and charged. Like, I cook everything in the microwave, so, like, I need the microwave to be working. The AC and the heat, they work off of electricity, and I definitely, the heat, for sure, for sure, in, this, in these climates, you need some heat, okay? And everything that I do in my home relies on power, and it's the same for our relationship with God. Everything that we do in life relies on the power of God. Now, I know, I know, I know. You went and got your degree, and you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps, and you did it yourself. I know. I'm proud of you. But God did all of that. God was the one who went before you. God is the one who wakes you up every day. God is the one who puts the breath in your lungs. God is the one who created everything. So don't get too high on your horse thinking that you did it all. Yes, you did work hard, and I'm not trying to discount that, but what I'm saying is God's power gives us everything that we need. In fact, Peter said it like this in 2 Peter Chapter 1, verse 3, he says, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. God's power has given you what you need to do everything you're called to do. I came to speak to somebody's faith and say the lights are not out on you. Come on, God hasn't cut the lights out. Come on, you still have some faith in you. There's still some hope in you. There's still some power in you, and God still wants to do something on your behalf. Mary's moment in front of Gabriel reminds us that there is power. Instead of breaking down, I love this, instead of Gabriel um, going into every little detail about what it's going to be like to raise baby Jesus, and then he's going to grow up, he's going to be walking on water and and healing people and doing miracles, but then he's going to die, but don't worry because he's going to come back to life, but then he's going to leave again. Instead of doing all of that, Gabriel just says, God's power is going to come upon you. God's power is going to come upon you. Like, God's power is going to be enough for you. God is going to do it, and some of you want every single detail, and you want to know it all. You want to know everything that's going to happen, and that was Zachariah's problem. He said, but how do I know that this is going to happen? And we live in a society that wants to know. I got to know everything, and I, and I get it, because when I go to a new restaurant, oh, I need to know everything. I need to see all the reviews. I need to know if y'all got roaches and rats. Like, I need to know if it's going to be clean, if we're going to a hotel in a new city, I need to see the pictures. I need to see what people have said about it. Do you have bed bugs or do you not have bed bugs? What's the breakfast like? Can, how long is it going to take me to get from there to where I'm really supposed to be? Like, I have to know all the details. But God doesn't necessarily work like that. 
God just offers us his power. He doesn't give you the full plan. He just says, this is what I need you to do, and I'm going to empower you to do it. And then it's our job to take steps from there. Can you just imagine being Mary for a second? I know in our culture, you know, you may imagine her as like 26 or 27, whatever age you think is reasonable to start having kids. Um, but Mary was a teenager, okay? And so I'm a, I'm a youth pastor, okay? So I had to just, you know what I'm saying, put on my youth pastor hat for a second and just think about, like, how I would respond in this moment. If, if, if one of our students came and after youth group, they were like, Devin, your message was so awesome, but uh, I need to talk to you, okay? I need to talk to you and Sydney. Got to have a combo. I'm like, okay, come on, let's talk. Um, I'm pregnant. With the child of God. Now, I, I want to hope the best. Like, I want to believe the best in people. But we would have some follow-up questions. Like, are you sure? <laughs> like, are you really sure? Like, I can leave the room if you need to just talk to Sydney about this. Like, whatever you got to do. But, like, you really, like, imagine Mary going back to Joseph. Who was she? She was betrothed to. That's not just like an engagement. Like we, we will get married. We most likely get married. Like to get out of being betrothed, you would have to get a divorce. Like you would have to be divorced. And so going to her man, her boo, and saying, I'm pregnant with God's baby. Now, as a husband, I want to believe the best. And I really try to hope the best out of people. But I would have some questions. <laughs> I would be like, listen, okay, we're gonna need, I'm gonna need some evidence. I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need it in writing. I'm gonna need the angel to come to me. And Mary at this time didn't know that the angel was gonna go and speak to Joseph. Imagine her having to go back to her village and, and tell people this and then believing that really she just cheated on her husband. And it's not like today. Like today, you cheat on your husband or your wife and you're gonna get exposed on Facebook and people are gonna be mad at you. But back then, um, it was it was a little bit more intense. You remember the story where Jesus stops the people from throwing stones at the woman, and he says, whoever has sin, throw the first stone. This is an awesome moment, um, but she got caught in adultery. So that was, that was the punishment. So this is what Mary was facing. I guess what I'm getting at was that Mary had a lot of reasons um, to neglect the power of God on her life and in her life. Like if anybody had an excuse to go, you know what, God, um, can you please pick somebody else? Like I, I love the offer that you, I'm telling you, it's awesome. It's great. I really wish I could, but here's the thing. I got a husband, and, like, I'm a virgin right now, and so there's no way I could be pregnant, and so people are going to think the worst of me. So, But this lady down the street, she's been married for, like, 10 years. Could you just please get her pregnant? So I'm going to pass. She had a lot of reasons to neglect God's power in her life. And I guess I, guess I just want to ask today, what excuses have you come up with in your head to neglect the power of God on your life? Have you bought the lie that, that you're too old or that you're too young or that since everyone in your family line is alcoholics and drug addicts, that that's where you're going to end up so you don't want to engage in the power of God because you don't want to let people down? Have you bought that you're going to be stuck in this one place in your career for the rest of your life and so now you're going to work but you don't really even like it? So now it's like, I don't even, I'm about to quit. Um, have you... Have you bought the lie that you're never going to be a parent or you're never going to be a good parent? What is the lie that you've bought? And here's what we do when we buy those lies. What we say is, even though we would never say this out of our mouth, is that God's power is best when I'm strong. That's what we communicate. The only problem with that is that's not what God teaches us. That's not what the Bible teaches us. In fact, in um, 2 Corinthians, it says this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect 
and weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. So whatever it is that makes you feel like you don't qualify, I would say that God wants to take that very thing and flip it on his head. Because here's the truth. There are people that you will come in contact with that will need your story and your testimony and what you've been through that I would never be able to reach. But because you have a similar story to them, you'll be able to reach them. And it's your weaknesses that give you a story. It's your weaknesses, come on, that that cause you to go through pain. And when you come through that pain, come on, there's some power in there that you can now use to go and minister to people. I don't know about you, but I want Christ's power to rest on me. You know, as I I look at the Bible and and I see these powerful moments just all throughout the Old Testament, New Testament, there's there's no shortage of powerful moments in the Bible. Um, Because I'm I'm a logical person, a lot of times I have questions. Like some people are just like more emotional thinkers, and so they just go with the flow, and they're just excited. They're like, whoa, let's go. But I'm like, okay, make it make sense. Like that's my favorite sentence, like make it make sense. I hear what you're telling me, but, but it, has to, it has to make sense, okay? And so when I see God create the garden, for example, create the earth, um, a powerful moment. Powerful moment speaks it into existence, and so he creates the, the heavens and the earth and, and, and the trees and the birds and, and and all of the animals, except for cats, I don't, here's the thing, okay? This is not theologically sound. I just want to start with that. That's my, you know, that's my disclaimer. So don't be acting like I said this was in the Bible. Um, cats had to come from somewhere else. Because why are you always landing on your feet? Like nothing else does that, but you landing on your feet. That's, I'm just saying, that's kind of demonic to me. But if you, if you have a cat in here, listen, 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 listen. I still love you, and hopefully you still love me. And you can forgive me, but um, I just don't know why they were in there. But God, God creates all of these things. He creates man and, and woman in his image. Um, but then he didn't name any of the animals. And my logical brain goes, did you not know that they would need names? <laughs> like, did you forget to name them? But no, he gave that job to Adam because God loves to, to partner with us. God loves to partner with people to show his power. You think about um, his people falling away from him and, and the children of Israel, like not not being obedient. And, and, and he has to come in and, and, and flood the whole earth. And then he speaks to Abraham and he says, through you, I'm going to bless all of the nations. And I'm like, why don't you just like do it right now? <laughs> like wh- my logical brain goes, how come we can't just bless them right now? But God knew that it would take a miraculous birth that Isaac would come through, and that through his lineage, the Son of God, Jesus, would be born because God loves to partner with people. You think about David or or Samson or all these heroes that we read about in the Old Testament, and they they kill hundreds of Philistines or or whoever they're killing, and I'm like, God, why don't you just, like, snap your fingers, and you can make all these people just take a little nap, just, just, you know what I'm saying, knock them out right now. But God loves to show his power through people. And so you go to Mary. And Joseph, and they're from a little town called Nazareth, which hasn't been mentioned in the Old Testament at all. It reminds me of Nagadish, like that's where I'm from. Nobody even knows where Nagadish is at. You only go to Nagadish on accident, okay? You never go there on purpose. And he picks this random couple who aren't even really all the way together yet. And the woman is a virgin to birth the Savior of the world through. Why? Because he loves to partner with people. Even if you fast forward and you see Jesus, who is the fullness, he is 100% man and he's 100% God, and there's nothing that he can't do. He gathers up a group of men to follow him around, and it's not like he went to 
the temple and got the smartest guys, the most like the biblical scholars. He was like, hey, you um, you have fish for a living. I'm going to teach you how to fish after men. Hey, you're a tax collector and nobody likes you anyway. You just go ahead and come and follow me because God loves to partner with people and God wants to partner with you. And so here we are. We're waiting for God's power to show up. And we want we want that coworker to get saved. Come on. If all of your coworkers were just saved, like like in my job, they are because that's kind of like a prerequisite to work here. So so all of my coworkers are saved. But for you, it's your job. Um, it would be great if all your coworkers got saved. Like how many of you know that would just be a great work environment. Like it'd be so much freedom. Everybody be happy because that's how Christianity works. But no, not really. But but it would be a lot better. And here you are praying for your coworker, but they don't even know that you go to church. Like. You've never taken a moment to take them out to coffee and begin to tell them about what God has done in your life. You've never invited them to a service. You've never taken a step to do what you're asking God to do, but maybe he wants to do it through you. And I find it interesting what Gabriel says to to Mary. He says, um, with God, nothing is impossible. He didn't say for God, nothing is impossible. He said with God. There's a difference of someone doing something for you and someone doing something with you. I've learned this in, uh, in, in marriage. I learned it quick, actually, very quick. Um, it was taught to me very nicely. Um, doing something for someone is a lot different than doing something with someone. I could cut the grass. I could take out the trash. Oh, and if I put my shoes up, like, without being told, oh, my goodness. I'm like, I'm, like, killing it 10 out of 10. But unless we do a date night, unless we go to a movie, unless we go get dinner, unless we like cook together or something, it's not the same. And God wants to partner with us. He doesn't just want to sit up there and do everything for you. He doesn't want you to feel like you have to do everything for him, but he wants to partner with you. His power shows up the most when he partners with his people. God has always partnered with us. And the great thing I love about partnering with God is this, that you don't have to be the most talented. You don't have to be the most gifted. You don't have to have it all together. You just have to be available, and you have to be willing. Come on, are you available, and are you willing to do the thing that God has called you to do? God wants to do it with us. During this season, come on, we marvel at the miracle that moved us into, into more. Come on, the, power, the place, I love where, where Mary ended the conversation. I love that instead of being scared, and responding like Zechariah responded, I love that she said this. She said, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And so maybe you don't have everything figured out, and maybe you don't have every answer that you want from God. Maybe God hasn't just revealed his whole master plan to you, but can you have the heart that Mary had to say, hey, I am your servant God, and whatever you said, that's exactly how I want it to happen for me. However you spoke it, I want it to happen for me in my life exactly like that. I wonder what the church would look like. I wonder what our families look like if we had people that say, you know what, maybe I'm not pregnant with the Messiah, but there is something that God has birthed inside of me that everybody around me needs. Everybody around me needs my smile. They need my joy. They need the love, and I had to fight for that. They need the peace that I bring. Like There's people in your life that the power of God may not impact them unless it comes through you. Because some people are not just going to randomly get online and find a church and start attending if they haven't grown up doing that. But you know what they will do? If they have a neighbor that they see the power of God move through, they, they may be interested in. If they see someone who carries themselves a little bit differently, if they see the power of God working and active in your life, 
then they may be more willing to step in and, and, and start a relationship with Jesus and begin to build a bridge between them and God. And here's what I would say. This isn't something that um, I just read in a book. I remember um, leading, and Ben, you guys can go ahead and, and come up. I remember being on the Be The One missions trips, okay? And um, if you don't know about those and you're a young person, you need to go to them. They're the thing that changed my life. You can talk to Alexis. You're right there. What's up, Alexis? Um, but I remember going on these mission trips and beginning to realize that God had a plan for my life. Like I began to think, man, maybe God can do something with me. And there was a summer that came up that I was going to be a leader. OK, and this was a big deal. I had never been a leader of anything. And, and Pastor Stephen was like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to have you lead. And I'm grateful that he didn't wait until I was like all the way ready because your boy was like 25 percent ready when I started leading. And there was this morning. I, I still remember it. it was. We would do these devotionals in the morning, and we would we would start them off with worship. And so there's a girl up there with with her guitar, and she was singing. And I remember just breaking down, like just bawling my eyes out. And if you know me, like I don't really cry like a whole lot. Maybe in a couple of movies here and there, but you know, keep that between us. Um, but I'm I'm crying, and I'm a leader. Like I'm not supposed to be having this moment right now. Like I can have this moment later, but right now I'm supposed to be leading. And I remember Pastor Stephen pulling me to the side and asking me what was going on. And, and I just, if I'm being honest, I just felt like I wasn't good enough. And maybe you're in this room and, and you can relate with that. You know what God has called you to do. You know what God has asked you to do, but you just don't feel good enough. And I remember telling him that and, and tears in my eyes. And he was just like, but are you called? And I was just like, I think so. Yeah, I think I'm called. He's like, well, then God has given you everything you need, and you don't have to do it all right every time. You don't have to say it right every time. You don't have to have every detail, but you do have to take a step if God's power is going to come through you. And I just want to speak to some people today who maybe you've given up on the power because you think you're not good enough, but God's power is sufficient even when you're weak. God loves to partner with us. And here's what I would say. If I can only say one thing to people today, Jesus came so that you could have a relationship with God so that you can do all that he called you to do. In the Old Testament, God would have to pick people out of the crowd. He would have to go, you know what? My spirit is going to rest on David. My spirit is going to rest on Solomon. My spirit is going to rest on Samson. But when Jesus came, he unlocked it for everyone. So you don't have to be special. You don't have to be, you don't have to be all these different things, talented. You know, you are chosen already. God already wants to do something through you. But are you open? Are you available? And what's going to be your response when, when the word of God comes forth and he begins to speak to you about the thing that he wants to do? Will you respond like Zechariah? I don't know. How will I know? I don't think it's going to work out. Will you respond in disbelief? Will you think that, that you're not good enough? Will you think that you don't have everything that you need? Because I'm here to remind us that, that even when you don't feel like you have it, God has it for you. Like, even when you feel like you've run out, why would God pick Mary? Like, like out of all the people he could pick, he just picked a teenager from a village that's not significant, from a family that nobody really knows, because God loves to show out through his people. He 
loves to, and maybe he's waiting to do that through you today. And if there's a, ever a season that we need to get hold of this, it's in the Christmas season where everything has been about us. And I'm here to say that Jesus changed your life so that you could change someone else's. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.